0: possible. I think you can you can advertise and things like that, but unless you're an established, well-known brand, it's really making those one-on-one connections with people.
1: G'day and welcome to the Farms Vice Podcast with your host, Jack Creswell. Whether you farm it, service it, or just love it, this podcast is for you. We'll bring you the techniques and technologies you can implement into your day straight from the leaders and innovators themselves. Spread farms advice so that we can reach more farmers right across australia follow us on all of your socials at farms advice and let's get into this episode welcome back to the farmers to founders series where we talk all things adoption within ag tech and on this episode we'll be talking about overcoming those adoption barriers for ag tech companies and we will be joined by matt Anderson, which is the manager of ag tech projects at farmers to founders and Jen McKee, Founders of SPADES, Policy and Environmental Consultant specialising in agricultural advice and her experiences as an ag tech company. So let's get into this episode. Well, g'day and welcome to the Farms Advice podcast. Great to have you in the studio, Jen and Matt. Joining us back on to the Farmers to Founders series. Thank you for coming on board.
0: Thanks for having us.
1: Very nice to be here. So the weather's pretty up and down, left, right. How is it with you, Jen, up in Queensland?
0: It is probably nice and fine. sunny. Yeah, we're into some sunshine finally. It's been a pretty wet, um, wet period of time, so we're enjoying the sun.
1: Absolutely, and hopefully a few more sunny days down south here as well, where we are. Um, but let's get cracking into this episode. I think it's one of the most exciting things within agriculture, but also one of the most challenging, both from your side coming from AgTech company but also as farmers out in the paddock, whether it's horticulture into broadacre or even livestock. Um, Matt, for yourself, do you just want to give us a bit of playing field of what the landscape currently looks like within ag tech, that adoption sort of rate? And also, are we at the middle of it or are we still at the very beginning?
2: Yeah, thanks, Jack. I mean, I I think the overriding um, perspective of where we stand as an industry at the moment is really, really early on. Uh, We've made some fantastic, exciting advancements and there's a lot of energy and excitement in the industry uh, from the ag tech side of things uh, more generally, but we're still at a really early stage and and other countries around the world and and other industries are at a much more advanced stage than we are in in ag tech in Australia, Uh, which is an important consideration because the adoption piece, as you rightly say there, Jackie, is a very exciting but challenging aspect to the industry at the moment. Uh, and it's 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 causing some some barriers and some difficulties for for many early stage companies, which is sort of the bulk of where a lot of ag tech companies are at at the moment. They're at that sort of that very early stage of, of growth and looking to scale their their businesses and their solutions nationally and and even internationally. Uh, and I think probably in, in many respects we're at a little bit of an interesting sort of reflection point as an industry uh, in terms of the formal language of the ag tech sector. It's been around for. A handful of years now and it's it's made some exciting progressions as, as mentioned but there is a challenge at the moment in trying to uh to expand more broadly there's a little bit of fatigue from some of those early adopters producers we're hearing from about that sort of constant uh discussion around ag tech innovation and, and people are starting to sort of take stock a little bit of of what it really means to adopt technologies and take them on board and so there's There are some really pronounced uh, challenges and it was really interesting to hear in our last episode uh, chatting with Tom Hampton, who's who's obviously a very innovative producer himself, but he ended up going out and setting up his own uh, laura network and sensory network simply because he was frustrated with what sort of solutions were out there and how they applied to his business and and some of those those critical adoption challenges so uh yeah we're in an interesting stage and, and it's sort of quite a critical moment i suppose for many early stage ag companies to uh to try and address some of these problems in, in uh, adoption that's present at the moment
1: yeah definitely and i think it's probably quite a personal journey for each farmer as well us as farmers and maybe it's just not the right time to get it in today, tomorrow. And maybe that's the time that they've sort of pampered the farmer to get them on board, get them across that line. But then just sort of, it's not a dead lead from the ag tech company side of it. It's just that farmer's journey isn't quite there yet. You need to sort of establish yourself and get, get your grips, your research into it, I suppose. Jen, do you just want to touch on coming in from the ag tech company side um, from your startup there at Spades and, What have you sort of experienced?
0: With barriers?
1: Yeah, with the barriers coming in, just sort of what you've seen um, quite generally and broad,
0: especially within your area. Like Matt just touched on, um, what I'm seeing is people manage their farms in such a variety of ways that one solution isn't going to suit everybody. And so it's just... They're, you know, trying to find what's going to fit their farm. And, of course, that takes time as well to commit to even trialling a product or an innovation on their farm, um, as well as the cost, of course. Um, Knowing who to trust, who's going to be around in 10, 20 years' time. They don't want to adopt something if it's, you know, going to fold as a business. Um, So, yeah, there's there's such, depending on who the farmer is and what they're growing or producing, it really... um, can change what the barriers of adoption are
1: to them. Yeah, I think if you copy-pasted a farm and put it in a different area, you would come up with different answers, different problems, um, even though you run it the exact same, same management um, going across there as well, just how different it really can be. Do you think from your standpoint that the industry or farmers, act at companies, it's that adoption phase is moving a bit too slow for what we sort of need? to lift that benchmark up or to improve our goal?
0: I think we just need to give them flexible solutions. So um, not not so much a one size fits all, but yeah. give them solutions that they can tailor to their own management style or, how, you know, their location or their, you know, how their farm enterprise is set up. Yeah.
1: What have you experienced in terms of like timeframes of adoption, talking about that slow point? Should we just sort of remove, the time frame at all and maybe that person as I said before it's not quite right so you've got 48 months rather than time pressures of what an ag company you obviously need funding and the funding comes through these clients but mm. driving that experience is going to be more better off for that farmer to have that friendly um, positive relationship as well with the ag tech that they're going to be yeah. using on their farm to just remove these time frames how's that worked for you
0: yeah, I know I'm in for the slow burn. Like I'm yeah. prepared to stick it out, <clears throat> and I'm lucky in that way. I'm I'm bootstrapped for my business, so I don't have funding um, or investors um, to deal with, which has its you know positives and negatives. But I I genuinely believe in what my solution you know is providing um, better outcomes for growers, and so I'm prepared to see it through. I don't think. I could put a time frame on myself. Yeah. I think if if we were doing that, then maybe haven't got it right to start with, from a business perspective as well as your um your solution.
1: Yeah, it's probably all well and good to put your KPIs in as a company going forward, mm. and then you step into the paddock and you've had to flip around, turn left and right, just to see how everything's sort of working for that farm. Um, and as you said before, no farms really the same and getting that ag tech to solution to work for them as well.
0: It's all right. Yeah.
1: So what are we doing right currently? And what are not we the broader sort of spectrum, Matt, you might want to ch- churn into this one as well, just to see, um, what companies are doing currently, is it working? Is it not currently working and what are the possibilities moving forward?
2: Yeah, look, I think Jen's just touched on a really interesting point that's often not uh, as commonly spoken about in tech circles more generally, and certainly in ag tech, that there's a real emphasis in an industry like technology and particularly a very early stage industry to grow and scale quickly and reach those those big investment figures and the turnaround figures and the 10x and the 30x and beyond that sort of uh, language. Um, And in reality, as Jen's touching on there, in the agriculture industry the technologies which are going to be around in longer term and that are going to be more successful in terms of uh you know the impact that they're creating for the industry are those that are going to be uh, really listening to what their customers in all lessons that the farmers are trying to get out of it um, and I think there are I've, I've had some a range of conversations with with a few other ag tech companies who are taking that very slow perspective intentionally because they're not driving a really high, sales and marketing function they're not really yeah. pushing themselves in the face of farmers what they're doing is taking an organic approach a word of mouth approach allowing themselves to establish the relationship that you're talking about jack and and really listen to what their customers uh, are asking for now it's a slower process and it probably does mean things are a bit tighter financially, and, and there are harder metrics to try and scale, I suppose, but it does mean that you are creating a solution and building a business that is really responding to the needs of, of farmers. It doesn't work for everyone. It is a hard game to play. That and sometimes there are companies that and and tech solutions that move at the right time and they can achieve that scale while still maintaining that very close relationship. But I think there's a real lesson there, and that is that a lot of our customers, a lot of industry participants, and a lot of farmers in Australia are people who are. Um, needing to have unique solutions, bespoke solutions that are addressing their very particular circumstances. Uh, no two farms are the same. And, and that's a reality that I think a lot of more successful ag tech companies are, are taking into their, uh, their, their, their development and their growth.
1: Absolutely. I think Australia is quite unique, probably in the landscape of terms of bringing on ag tech. In America, you've got a lot larger amount of farmers across Europe if you send out a Facebook ad for your ag tech, you probably hit some numbers, but here we're so vast and um, here, there and everywhere when there's probably 10 people in a million square acres in some avenues of that. So finding your sort of channels and growing that relationship and probably getting your foundations, Jen, setting them um, and alongside your goals as well as a company, obviously to grow, but for the grand goals of what agriculture is trying to hit that hundred billion dollar mark, I think, it's by 2030 isn't it that we're trying to get yeah. to that we ticked over 70 billion the other day so we've got 30 billion to go in less than eight years um mm-hmm. so how that plays out do you agree that we won't be able to get there without the use of ag tech playing on farms what do you think Jen
0: um I think it's critical I think it's the way of the world everything's um, you've got to work smarter not harder yeah. um, and you've got to look for either making more money or or saving money so and and technology can provide those solutions whether it's um, improving your productivity um, you know new way to fertigate or whatever it might be or save you time so I definitely think um, ag tech's got a critical role to play yes
1: I think there's a lot of Ag tech out there that looks to save time, money and everything, but what sort of ag tech out there is looking to grow that money or even off the back of saving time and money, how will that sort of project into this 100 billion sort of goal? Are we looking to expand on those farms? Is that the sort of avenues we think are going on? Maybe Matt, you might have broader experience or Jen?
2: Uh, look from from my perspective um yeah look uh, absolutely I, I completely agree with what Jen's saying in, in that we you know technology is a vital way in which we can try to achieve these and, and they are lofty goals that we've, we've set as an industry um uh, and that you know op- ability to um, uh, improve optimizations uh, input or reduce inputs, um, operational efficiency supply chain efficiencies uh, all those things are not only uh, potentially improved by technology but also really critical. To improve, we've seen all those sort of challenges play out in in recent months and recent years around global pressures and environmental pressures and, and all those things that are that are increasingly uh, becoming a challenge. But I think also that that it's it's not really about uh, an ag tech solution in isolation. It's it's an it's yeah. an industry. It's a it's a growing and development developing process where you may well have one solution that can uh, integrate with another solution and create a smart farm or a smarter farm. Uh, or, you know, a range of different data sources that are coming together, which is obviously a big topic of conversation at the moment is that integration of data. So really the way I see us reaching those sort of lofty goals is that um, we get better integration and better technologies that can work together uh, to create uh, a, you know, a much more uh, aligned or streamlined or productive uh, or profitable uh, farming system using those those technology integrations.
1: Yeah, I think it will go a long way into helping us. And hopefully we can crack that $100 billion even before and have to reset that figure. This episode is brought to you by Farmers to Founders. If you've got an idea for a new business, ag tech solution, or very added food product, Farmers to Founders can help you turn it into reality. No matter what state you're at, their programs will support you to develop your business skills, access expert mentors, and tap into an extensive network of potential customers. Head to FarmersToFounders.com, that's with a number two, to check out how you can get involved or drop them an email for a yarn. Jen, for yourself, what sort of challenges and barriers have you come up against in establishing ag tech company and that adoption? What sort of barriers for probably yourself and also the farmers have you noticed?
0: um for myself it's just something I didn't anticipate I would be doing so I wasn't really prepared to start an ag tech business I um went looking for a solution that didn't exist yet and then basically googled how much does it cost to build an app and off I went so um (laughs) the barriers for myself have been learning how I you know learning how I go so that is from a business perspective as well as from a farming perspective I don't have a farming background I mean I have dealt with farmers a lot in my career but um really working with them to understand what their needs are and how how an ag tech solution could help them Um, yeah and and from a business perspective it's um, getting out as much as possible. I think you can you can advertise and things like that, but unless you're an established, well-known brand, it's really making those one-on-one connections with people. So I, yeah, I try to travel around as much as possible. I'll sign up to anything. I'll, um, yeah, just to just to meet people, understand what their problems are, and not really like I'm terrible at the hard sell, but it's just. Hey, I'm here if you need me, basically. So, so trying to get that as a business. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So when you go to an event, Jen, what do you what happens? What sort of questions are the farmers asking? They pick up a pamphlet or something. What sort of yep. questions are they asking at that sort of initial stage without even knowing you?
0: Um, well, we always start off having a good old complaint about regulation and the duplication and record keeping and just how onerous it is on them. Um, That's always a good starting point. Um, And then they just, they know all the questions to ask because everybody does have the same issues with it all. Um, They want something that's all in one place. Um, What does it look like from an, you know, an entry point of view? So you're out in the paddock, you know, what do I do? Um, Right the way through to managing those records and, and then at an audit time, so they want to. They're asking, um, you know, what are all the features of the program, and you know that sort of thing. Pretty, pretty simple stuff that I hope I can provide them with answers for. Yeah.
1: And obviously, you sort of have your target audience, the farmers. But dialing down on that, what is, what's the audience that is more, most receptive at these events? Is it farmers themselves? That their kids that have come back on farm, may um, maybe mid twenties early 20s or 30s?
0: No, we've got a pretty um, broad spectrum of ages as well as farm sizes. And I initially had built the platform for horticulture, but now we're getting um, feedlock enterprises using it, um, cotton, grains, um, livestock, uh, beef cattle. Um, so, yeah, pretty a pretty good variety of people. But mainly... Um, like I hate to say it, but it's the wives usually that are in charge of the the audits and the record-keeping and all the paperwork stuff. So,
1: Yeah. I said in a previous episode before what farms actually sort of need is an ag tech officer, one to take sort of charge and take the lead on it. We can't always do it, but for those husband and wife teams, maybe the wife is well-positioned to take that ag tech officer role um, and sort of implement or even do the research off the back of that there might be an important place um, on farm just to see if we we're at larger companies we would hire someone specifically for that role but as farmers we can't always do that i think it's important to have someone that actually is looking for these key updates that could improve them to improve their auditing and everything like that what you're doing as well
0: that's a great idea having 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 an ag tech consultant like that's a that perhaps in the future that'll be a career for somebody to travel around and um have a look at business enterprises and make recommendations for ag tech
1: yeah yeah absolutely well it's an exciting space to see where it's going to go um from here but for the farmer side of it do you think farmers are coming off a little bit hesitant diving into the market maybe from your experience at events people are sort of trying to divert from the ag tech tent until they're actually ready how's that worked
0: um Yeah, I think there needs to be an element of time set aside to, you know, prepare themselves and their day-to-day activities for implementing this stuff. So um, our feedback's always great. Everybody thinks it's a great idea, but it's just a matter of them having the time to commit to doing it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Time and money, do you see that money plays a part in it? Say this piece of AgTech's $5,000, just looking at that, as a figure but also trying to showcase what value that is to the farmers um but really you don't know until it's on that farm as farms ourselves our family farm we don't really we don't know anything until it's working on our place it's great to see that neighbors and everything but it's also great to have it on farm see it working in real life hands yeah, on
0: absolutely. <clears throat> absolutely every dollar counts doesn't it so um it's and from from my perspective, it's knowing where that value is. So how much I charge, um, they've got to get value out of that. And I hope yeah. um, we've sort of nailed that.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I think right through like the last five years that I've sort of been abrupt with what's going on with ag tech just to see what's coming into the space. A lot of the onus has probably been put on us farmers to uptake this information and there has been not physical yelling but Yelling down the throats of farmers online through groups at events, um, just sort of pushing that ag tech maybe in the wrong area the, to the wrong target audience. Do you think there's a room for improvement from the ag tech company side, especially from startups to the larger companies as well?
0: Yeah, I think so because um, we need to recognise that it's not going to be for everybody, and we can't blatantly say that yes, this is going to work for you. I think there's got to be that, um, you know, you've got to have a conversation with them rather than just a one-way messaging. You've got to have a conversation with the farmers to understand what their needs are before you can actually recommend it.
1: Yeah, I think jumping into this journey, we're all learning. What have you learned and I suppose have you pivoted from what you first thought was the sort of best-case scenario and now that you've pivoted, what was that? And what was you learning from that?
0: Um, well, it's been interesting to see how it's been applied in different agri to different agricultural commodities. Yeah. Um, pivoting, it's, it's been interesting to release the MVP, the minimal viable product. So once I have my MVP released. And started onboarding paying customers, um, just really listening to that feedback and implementing what they told me they needed in in the platform. That was really important. Yeah,
1: hundred percent. And as farmers, we love to learn from other farmers. Have you been able to get some solid case studies out there, just to for others out there to read up upon um, that peer to peer or F to um, F farmer to farmer learning? How's that work? That
0: is. That will be something we're working on next. And we've got the Australian Agritech Association, which is our peak industry body, and this is something that they're working on. And that's another great um, tool or recommendation that farmers can look at to, um, to think about implementing these ag tech products.
1: Absolutely. So, Matt, maybe you want to answer this one. What's actually the chance of increasing this higher adoption rate and actually, how is farmers, the founders, sort of getting around this to involve the farmers and ag tech companies to actually have both their say and sort of come together and meet in the middle um, for that successful relationship of the ag techs actually working on farm?
2: yeah, look, I, th- I think the 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 chance of is is really high, and there seems to be a bit of a shifting conversation to to looking at exactly the attitude that the Jen's approaching there about looking really, really closely establishing those relationships with producers, listening and hearing the feedback and establishing a bit of a feedback loop so you can continually just sort of iterate what you're doing based on based on the the information you're hearing and the res- responses you're hearing. There was a really uh, interesting comment you made a bit earlier, Jen, about um, sort of very humbly laughing off how you started the business by doing a bit of a Google search and and heading down the pathway with that. But really what um, you you sort of uh, overlooked a little bit was the the work that you'd done and and the experience that you'd had in the industry, which led you towards jumping into starting Spades. And I think that's a really important part for uh, companies that are starting to build or who are at very early stages, what they're doing is actually really going back and understanding what the problem is that you're trying to solve. I mean, Jack, we've shared ch- 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 about this before in previous episodes as well, yeah. but the, the better uh, solution providers, ag tech companies that are solving problems are better off uh, in, in the long run because they have a much more easily translatable value to the farmers. They can clearly say, look, This is the problem that we're solving with our solution. This is what it'll cost you. This is the benefit you'll get out of it. Uh, And then it really makes for a much more easily integratable solution into a business. So one of the really key things that we try to establish in in our pathways and the process where we work with entrepreneurs to build their solutions is to go back and have those conversations, to pick up the phone, get down to the pub, whatever it might be, and have those very direct conversations with producers to say... What is it that's actually the key problem that that you're facing, and 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 how can we go about solving that? And and Jen's done that very brilliantly in the in the work you do with Spades, but so too for those existing companies that are out there, and there are there are many of them, and and there are sort of commercial ready. They've got some traction already in the market, and they may be reaching a bit of a, a struggling point with adoption or, or scaling. What we're doing in that space, so our Tech Farm initiative, is really trying to support them to to listen again to the industry. I think. Um, one of the, the challenges or one of the, the, uh, the difficulties is that a lot of solution providers out there actually haven't spent a lot of time on farm. Now, that's not a requirement. You don't need to have spent time on farm to build a great ag tech business, but knowing about those practical challenges of a hardware device in a farming location, a software solution on a, on a poor connected um, farming enterprise in, in, a, in a remote place, all these kind of very practical realities of how technology does or doesn't work on farming operations around Australia are really critical cool, um conversations we need to have. And so for those existing companies that are out there that are struggling a little bit, we try to refine that that conversation so that they can really understand how they integrate uh in many farming businesses around Australia. But also to, to touch on what you said a bit earlier, Jack, that in reality, a lot of ag tech and ag tech conversations need to be really individualized. They need to yeah. be really personalized to who you're chatting to. Uh, we face that in our family farming business, um, uh, uh, relevant uh, difficulties that we have related to where we're located and and our farming country and, and the big range line that runs through our property and things like that. They create very unique circumstances that make adopting technology on our property really difficult. So uh, it's not simply about a case of sending a flyer in the mail and saying, here, this is a great product for you. Um come by it it's, it's about actually you know picking up the phone having the conversation or, or really trying to understand the personal drivers for those individual farmers and that's what we've done in tech farm to to facilitate that conversation and, and try to overcome some of those adoption barriers
1: yeah i think from my point of view everyone's sort of cutting their teeth in we're sort of past the mark mm-hmm. of knowing about these devices about cockies where they're going to chew the leads at and everything everyone's sort of got that foundation quite right and onto this relationship building and actually showcasing the true journey of what the value can be. And also the lifetime value of that, not just saying I'm going to save 3000 a year or my ball runs this year, or if I get audited, I'll have all my papers ready there to go. As a farmer, we want to reduce our paper sometimes anyway, the notebook, mm-hmm. um, has seen better days and we're going a little bit more digital and how that will work. I think the chance for higher uptake of ag tech is it's inevitable really for farmers out there. I think we just need these really solid pieces of these farmers. We do need those early adopters out there to take, take lead of that probably that ag tech officer on farm that's in, more inclined to get into this sort of ag tech, but Jen for yourself, um, and the next few five years, what are you most excited about this adoption rate? Um, not really the adoption rate, but working on the relationship with farms and just getting your case out there as your own startup founder.
0: Um, Just traveling around, looking for partnership opportunities, um, expanding the platform to other commodities, uh, maybe launching in New Zealand or overseas, Um you know, more future improvements for how people can manage um, their records. Yeah, I think it's just the beginning and it's an exciting future because, you know, everything's evolving, technology is evolving and just keeping up, you know, with the pace of that.
1: That's probably an important one we might have missed in the conversation just before, but you talked about collaborations and how that may take place within yourself with spades and other ag tech out there, uh, mm-hmm. dashboards and everything. How do you see collaborating within ag tech and taking down those sort of competitive barriers, I suppose, and yeah. being in line with each other?
0: Yeah. I've, I've spoken to um, very similar solution providers. Yeah. I mean, nobody seems to be exactly the same and there's always going to be that crossover with, with some things. I mean, yeah, yeah that's, that's the nature of it. So um, collaboration, as you said, these dashboards that um, can integrate or tech stack with technology, um, partnership opportunities with people who are, for my for my um, case, um, the governments and regulators that set these standards. Yep. You know, I'm prov- basically I'm providing a tool for their customers to comply with their standards. So um, that would be great. Um, to partner with them, or any other um, any other enterprises or businesses that are keen to um, help me, you know achieve the things I want to achieve.
1: Yeah, So, the, I think that's probably a great way to play it. When I do these episodes talking about ag tech, how it really helps farmers drive them down, I have the trouble of splitting the two episodes um, of how it helps farmers, but also that journey of building your own ag tech as a startup founder. But luckily for this episode, we'll get stuck into it and we'll just get a bit of a glimpse, Jen, into your background. How did it all start um, out into the agriculture industry?
0: Okay, I grew up and I still live in Innisfail in North Queensland. So it's a um, farming community, lots of bananas, sugar cane. Um, I'm not from a farming family, however. I went to uni and did environmental science Um, on uni holidays. I packed bananas, that sort of thing. Uh, I got a job um, when I graduated in state government doing natural resource management. So um, the nature of that was working with farmers. Um, uh, I also did some biosecurity policy and I did about 13 years of state government public service. And I was looking for something new to do and um, a friend of mine who was a farmer, she mentioned that um, I could help growers with their audit requirements and environmental management plans, things like that. Um, so yeah, that was the sort of base of my previous career. And while I was out doing some work, um, a, a lot of growers were telling me what their problems were with um, the duplication of record keeping and the paperwork that they have to do, and the hours that they're spending every week and Um, weeks at a time preparing for audit so I thought there would be a digital solution for them existing and there wasn't so I basically googled you know how to build an app which I didn't do just to be clear I'm not a software developer I commissioned that to be done so yeah
1: don't worry I've done that before as well Um, but (laughs) for yourself what what got you across the line to get into it maybe looking it up on Google or did you have that one sort of case study, your friend that was a farmer that you could sort of, hey, does this work? Are you looking mm-hmm. for this? What? Yeah, sort of I, I spoke in those have-
0: early days, um, while it was still just an idea, I spoke to a lot of farmers and the more I spoke to them, they thought they really sort of um, cheered me on, said, yeah, this is a great idea. This is definitely needed. And so, yeah, the more I... Um, built it out of, you know, what is needed from a sort of data or record input point of view, those features along the way for managing records and non-compliances, documentation, things like that, right to the audit um, perspective. Um, Yeah, it's been a really great um, journey. Yeah,
1: Absolutely. And when did you actually start this journey,
0: Jen? About two years ago it yep, all so you've kicked off.
1: Leaps, bounds and spades from where you were two years ago. Um, yeah, res-
0: resigned from
1: my job. And on that job, probably through your exposure to, was it 13 years in public service dealing oh, yeah. with regulations, policies, what sort of information, knowledge do you think you've brought across through your ag tech startup, but also to the wider community of what agricultural is?
0: Uh just an understanding of what their leg- legislative requirements are, um, being able to look at where that duplication um, of those requirements is and making sure that I've built into my platform that somebody only needs to demonstrate their compliance once and then yeah. from the end point um, they select what they need to be audited for and it goes and retrieves that information. So, um, and also just an understanding of, they're you know a farm's basic needs they don't want well a lot of them don't want bells and whistles they just want something very simple
1: and how how's that played out in probably the user face your product um reiterating your product as well changing it around a little bit how's that worked on the farmer side of it and working that that working relationship i suppose with yourself
0: yeah, it's great. I love I love talking to I love talking to farmers, and they've all they're always full of ideas. Um, for me, it's knowing what to in- implement into the platform and what not to, because of course everybody manages things differently. I can't satisfy everybody's needs. Um, yeah.
1: What about compliance and regulations? Do you think farmers are up with the latest? updates i suppose for what they need to be cl- compliant with depending what sort of sector industry they're coming from um i suppose farmers may leave this to the back end um of it we we don't enjoy the office it's no um everyone knows that farmers aren't office savvy not savvy but we don't enjoy the time in there how do you think this plays out for you
0: yeah it's a lot to keep on top of like this is yeah you know, to be um, across all policy regulations, new standards, you know, workplace health and safety, um, food safety, biosecurity requirements, um, market access. It's a lot. Like I really am impressed with how farmers have to grow produce or, um, you know, food, run a business, have employees and be on top of all these regulation requirements. So um, I hope that what I can do, Um, as part of the service of this subscription platform um, is making sure that the records that they keep are satisfying, you know, changing and updated regulations.
1: Yeah, I suppose like you said before, once you initially get that done, and if it is digitally, it's ongoing and you can just go back through and update it. It's not paper-based. And you're going to be further ahead and prepared if you are going to be audited. And being audited is probably a big thing for farmers especially within really horticulture a little bit closer to consumers as well
0: yep definitely is it can take them a few weeks to get their paperwork ready yeah yeah, yeah and, and an just, audit can take days so yeah.
1: yeah absolutely so for yourself and your product at space, what have problems challenges have you encountered along the way with your product leading towards adoption um, of it
0: okay Well, every farm's got different ways of managing things. Um, I'm hoping to keep the platform as simple as possible to, and and flexible as possible as well, so that they can manage things the way they want. Um, We've mentioned before, everybody, you know, it's not going to suit everybody and that's fine. Um, Yeah, just giving them the basic thing, basic features of what they need in a farm office.
1: So you spoke about minimal viable product before, MVP. Can you actually, for those that may not know what that means, can you touch on that and what that meant for you and your product?
0: Okay. So time and money is limited, isn't it, for everybody? So it was just um, determining what the basic minimum features and how it interacts and flows with each other for a working platform that has value. And releasing that um, to to people to trial basically um, to ensure that it works for them, and then getting that feedback and improving the platform from there, rather than waiting until you've got this, you know, polished, perfect um, ag tech product that you know will never be ready to be released yep. because, yeah you will never reach that level of perfection. You need to get it out there into the world, get people using it in the real world and getting that feedback and implementing improvements.
1: Yeah, nothing's perfect. And what I've seen in ag, farmers are more than welcome to give the ag tech some direction in what sort of feedback solutions they're looking for or what that that simple little tweak that may you glance through it every day, but you wouldn't be able to get it unless you were that farmer at that time of day as well. But for yourself, how have you overcome the challenges of adoption within your ag tech space?
0: Just keeping things simple, Um, not adopting all the suggested features, Um, having a high level of customer support. So depending on the business, they might need um, a lot of interaction and training and things like that, whereas we've had other people who sign up. And they refuse, you know, they don't need training. It's pretty basic. And just listening and welcoming feedback and criticism.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably a poignant one is taking on the criticism um, and turning it around for that farmer. And I think if you do that, you'll be able to have a long-term relationship. um, Quite vital. What sort of channels for yourself um, have worked in attracting different areas of farmers um, going forth?
0: Yeah, uh, word of mouth is always the best one. Um, Getting out to grower events. So if there's a, um, the Hawk Connections in Brisbane was great. Um, Talking to industry bodies, um, people like Matt, you know, just getting the word out there rather than that direct marketing. It's more about, you know, forming those connections with, um, people in the industry and you know having you know word spread a bit you know naturally
1: yeah and moving into it you spoke about your bootstrapped bootstrapped um, with your company and mm-hmm. probably the appeal of moving super quick getting all these farmers on board do you think you've been sort of exposed or pressured in the way of you have to be a hundred person company by the end of 2030 you have to have so much in your bank moving along as an ag tech founder, or have you actually enjoyed the slower approach? What is your approach been to all of this?
0: I mean, it's important to have goals. Yeah. So I'm definitely working towards um, certain, you know, certain milestones to hit, but it's been uh, interesting. Like I, I, You know, it's you can be so sure of your solution, and yeah, everybody's going to love this, and um, you know, why wouldn't they adopt it? But then, when you are actually in the game and talking to growers, and even if they do love it and it's perfect for them, they might not have the time to commit to it, or they'll, you know, they've they'll wait till the next audit round is due or something like that there's always going to be hurdles depending on the person so it's been interesting to see it be a little bit slower than i anticipated just because i was a little bit naive and, and had a little bit too much confidence in my product so it's humbling but i'm you know i'm still confident in what i'm providing and i'm you know here to see it through to success
1: 100%. And also looking towards your own scalability, whether that's a sustainable one or you get some quick investment in as an ag tech startup founder, just like farms, Not no ag techs the same. You're sort of dealing different avenues with a slight overlap in some areas as well. But what's your approach been to scaling spades out and getting that growth in? Like for the next five to 10 years, how do you see that playing a role?
0: Yeah, so I initially um, built the platform for horticulture, for fresh produce, and very quickly we onboarded um, other commodities. So it's now looking at ensuring it's an um, all-of-agriculture compliance management platform, and which we're well on our way to doing. We are also looking to launch overseas by the end of or the beginning of next year. Um, So looking at regulation requirements in New Zealand, that will be the most logical choice because we have very similar food standards. Um, um, Employing people in regional areas, that's a big goal for me. Um, I'd really like to have customer support in the main food production areas around the country. Um, Yeah. Just see where things take us.
1: Yeah. I think it's a very similar story, not the ag tech itself, but, how AgTech is looking to bolster these regional communities, and it really is playing a solid role within Australian agriculture, but also the regional community of where they are and where you are there in in Israel. Um, but for yourself, as an AgTech founder, do you think the statement of solutions looking to find the problems uh, rings true for too many others out there? They've got the solution, yeah. and they're looking to find that farmer's problem, and just sort of plug that hole with, a, it's a square peg going into a round hole.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's going to happen in every industry. People will look for market opportunities. Yeah. So I know, I mean, I know some really good software platforms or ag tech that are, their founders are software developers. Yeah. Um, and they've seen an opportunity to, you know, make a living. Um, but it's, yeah, you've got to have that good understanding of the farmer's perspective like you do like no matter what your background is um you know what your qualifications are you need to spend time with the growers and producers to understand their needs otherwise it's it's not going to work
1: yeah definitely and when you were growing spades what sort of problems were you aware of initially maybe through that friend of a farmer the farmer that was a friend i mean
0: yeah so you know, just their just their frustrations and
1: coming back to compliance, lack, keeping up to date, right.
0: yeah, getting yeah, their the book work in order. Yeah, it was a lot. And when I saw, um, the yeah the amount of paper they go through, and when COVID came on board, and they had to keep records for for that, like it it is insane. Some yeah, some farm businesses, the amount of records they've got to keep.
1: And when you look at these ag tech, you sort of need to look at them as half an employee, quarter of an employee, filling a role, keeping you up to date. And with compliance, where we are going, consumers are wanting more, but we're going to be having to showcase our compliance as well, especially when food's going to that consumer in the back end.
0: That's right, yeah.
1: And as Spades is early, but really an exciting phase of growth for yourself, what are your aims to grow the business within six to 12 months what are you most excited Um, about I think 2023 will be quite a big year for agriculture off the back of the environment um climatical sort of outcomes we've had quite wet and good for the ground
0: yeah uh in the next six months so six months ago I was lucky enough to receive a government grant so in the next six months I'll be completing um, the requirements for that. So that's finishing off our rebrand. We were yep. previously called Grower Support, and now we're Spades. Um, a lot of I'm planning a lot of travel around the country, um, expanding the platform to other commodities, feature improvements. Um, yeah, looking for those partnership opportunities and connecting with other ag tech providers and you know industry bodies.
1: I think for let's round it off with one piece of farms advice that you'd like to pass on to a budding ag tech startup, or one that's already established, um, what would you first say to them about getting that adoption right for that mix of adoption for the farmer and yourself? What would yeah. you say?
0: Um, listening is key. Listen to their problems. Take the time to understand um, their perspective or what their frustrations are and give them as much support or as little support as they need because every farm business is so different.
1: Do you think, like, literally getting on the phone to them and listening to them talk that way or getting out there into the paddock, um, what sort of oh, worked for you?
0: I mean, in person is always yeah. better, but on the phone, you know, Yeah. We've all, we've all learnt to cope over the last few years, so um, digital is fine.
1: Absolutely. Well, I think for this episode, it's been unreal to see your transparency in growing an ag tech startup. I think it's amazing what you've done, but also the way you've done it and where it's going for Australian agriculture, regulatory and also compliance is huge within farming. Um, and also, Matt, do you want to round it off just about that adoption um, within ag tech and Australian agriculture? Where do you think it's going? Uh, let's go a bit further afield down to five years. Where do you yeah, hope well- it to be? Yeah,
2: look, I, I mean, i would just say uh, in, in closing as well, just to respond to what you were saying there before a bit, Jack, that um, it's actually really refreshing to hear, hear you speak, uh, as you do, Jen, about your approach and, and your transparency and the sort of steps that you've taken. You'd be surprised how many uh, ag tech companies that I chat to that really haven't uh, taken some of those really critical steps that you have to really understand your, your customer and, and your and the farmer and, and the <laughs> And, because uh, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's it, it's it's really good practice, and I think it's it's set you up really well with with the, the amazing amount of growth you've had in the last two years with with the grower services with Spades, and and also now going forward, it's, it's a fantastic time for you, and and I think you're uh, you're heading in a, in a really fantastic direction. And what's something that really stood out for me there as well is that I mean a lot of uh, ag tech founders, uh, be it whether they're tech developers or farmers or students, researchers, whoever they may be. Uh, are often really tired and passionate about the solution they're building, which is a fantastic um, thing to have. But you need to be really really willing to to hear the feedback and and make some changes and sometimes cut out that feature that you thought was the game-changing bid or make those little changes because you're hearing it constantly back from from your audiences so really being able to be a bit of an open book and, and make those changes as, as you uh as you hear them and obviously jen you've taken that uh, really fantastically in your own development and that's that's clearly been a, a factor of, of your growth and success Um, Jack, to your question, look, yeah, I think in the next five years, one of the the really critical aspects we're going to see is that that there's going to be a need and an expectation for farmers and producers and growers to actually really get on board with the tech movement, whether they're kind of early adopters or innovators or not. I, I think we're gonna to start to see things like markets start and, and finance and regulation and government start to expect that there's really good on farm practices around data collection and and record keeping and and those kind of uh, expectations. And so if you haven't yet uh, gotten an app like Spades, if you haven't yet got a, a record keeping uh, piece of software, if you haven't yet started to collect and, and collate and analyze data on your farming operation in the next five years, you really will have to otherwise you'll start to lose out a bit in some of those some of those areas where um you, you know you might be having to respond to a to a higher higher authority or to market forces or trying to get the the best bucket at the sale yards or um uh, you know the grain bin or whatever it may be so i think in the next five years that that rate of adoption will increase quite significantly because uh, quite truthfully i think you, you farmers are going to need to get on board if they haven't already uh, and start to really assess all those options that are out there
1: Absolutely. Do you think before we go, that policy will be a key driver in the next five years of getting this out to farms for uptake? Maybe you need their single dashboard to know what your weather's doing, your spraying and also have that compliance all tied in. Do you think that would be a key driver? Might be a good comment from both of you as well.
2: Oh, for me, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm no compliance expert, but I think that's that's really heading uh the way that we're heading. I think there's going to be some significant amount of of boxes to tick and red tape and things to to uh be uh, able to meet in, in the standards basis. And we're seeing this uh, start to play out a little bit with with uh, compliance and regulatory requirements coming in on climate and environment and the practices you're taking on farm. Uh, and the, the way that you're, um, you know, handling your livestock or handling your fertilizers or handling the land that you've got, I, I think we're really heading that way, and, and and I think it's only going to increase. I think the other thing that's going to be a really big player is the is the consumer. Uh, we're chatting a little bit about horticulture industry, how it's a little bit closer to the consumer, um, as consumer expectations change, as their preferences change, as what they want to eat changes, and how they yeah. want to eat it. That really feeds back to um, practices on farm quite quickly. Uh, And that can really start to drive uh, how technology is adopted as well back there. So I think those two key factors are going to be really, really big drivers going forward.
1: Amazingly put. Jen, did you have anything to say about that for the key policy, like policy driving what farmers uptake?
0: Yeah, we're already seeing some um, regulations requiring electronic records be kept. So, I mean, maybe the day of the diary notebook and pen is numbered. So, um yeah Matt's right like I encourage anybody who's thinking of being an early adopter who's been you know toying with it in their mind maybe it's suitable for them and they're capable and willing to take on these new solutions to do it because it's to the benefit of everybody you know because you'll see improvements made and um your fellow farmers will be really grateful to you because you've made a solution better
1: yeah, absolutely. A great way to sort of finish off and round off this episode on the Farmers to Founders series. Matt, Jen, thank you very much for coming on board today. Jen, especially for you for breaking down the barriers from adoption for farmers and what they're doing, but also having a little bit of insight into what Spades has gotten up to in the last two years. I think I've been chatting to you on and off throughout socials um around that time as well, so it's great to see you come leaps and bounds and Spades um, forward.
0: Thanks, Jack. It's been great to finally catch up. Thank
2: Thank you, Jack. Good to chat again.
1: This Farms Advice episode does not stop here. Come and join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or TikTok and even join our Facebook group. Go to farmsadvice.com.au for more on this episode and spread the hashtag Farms Advice to your mates. If you can leave a review on Apple or Spotify, that will let other farmers find us too. But until then, see you next Tuesday. In the spirit of reconciliation, the Farmswise podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people today.